verse says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. There is no better place to be on a Sunday than to be in church. Amen. You have made the right decision. I just want to start by asking you a question on what we're going to share about today. <coughs> what do you think is the most important thing in this life? What do you think is the most important thing in this life? It seems the majority thinks it's money. But how many things does money not solve? Can money <coughs> protect you? Can money keep you healthy? Can money <coughs> bring peace in your family? So there are many things that money cannot buy, isn't it? Yeah. So which means probably it's not money. Somebody says the most important thing I think is health, divine health. Maybe. But there are a lot of things that even if you are healthy and you don't have, still you will feel not satisfied. Not, you don't have everything. Like I said, just as much money cannot buy, cannot make you protected. Similarly, even health can make you protected. You will still be vulnerable even if you have health. Think of anything else and say, but what is really the most important thing in this life? That which if I have it, then I've got a solution for everything. Amen? Because the most important thing should be that if I have that, even if I don't have anything else, I will have everything else through that. I want us to go to the book of Luke chapter 10. Started from verse 38 to verse 42 in the New King James Version. <clears throat> because we are busy with so many things, because we think so many things are very important. <clears throat> yes, some of them may be important, but they are not as important as the word of God. Amen. Amen. Because when I have the word, I've got everything. Through the word of God, I, I get my healing. Through the word of God, I get my protection. Through the word of God, I get peace. Through the word of God, anything that I need, I can get it through the word. Amen. I can even get money through the word. Amen. So it means, even if I don't have any other thing, but you leave me with the word of God, I'm sorted. Jesus said you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if I have the word, I'm free indeed. So go with me to that Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, New King James Version. It says, Now it happened as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him in her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Can we also all say, She sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word? To some, it looks like it's laziness, isn't it? You just sit. <laughs> and that's what Martha was thinking, read. Next it says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So what did Martha think was the most important thing at that time? To serve. 
That's why she was busy with that. Even the things that you currently think are the most important things, that's why you are busy with those. So she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but how many things are needed? Huh? She said, Jesus says to her, you are troubled and so much concerned about many things. But there is only one thing that is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. In other words, you can take any other thing from me but you can't take the word away from me. And if you can't take away the word away from me, then I've got every other thing because through this word, I've got the treasure to everything. I want you to understand that because today I want us to talk about the word of God above everything else. Okay? So when you are desiring something and you want something, let's say you are a student and you want to pass. You, to you at that time, that degree... It's very important, isn't it? And you are going to commit yourself to study hard to get that degree because it's something important to you. Okay? And somebody looking for a job, they will do everything they can because at that time the most important thing is to get that job. So, if the word of God is the most important thing, what are you doing to show that this is my main thing in life? Because some of you, you can spend the whole week without even hearing the word. Whether it's the word that's preached on Sunday or it's the word that you yourself go and study and speak it. Now, I want us to actually look at this even from how God views his word. And then I will show you how Jesus viewed the word of God. And then I will show you why the word is so important to us. Amen. Because God who created us. He knows what is the most important thing to us. One time I was. I think I said this several times. Uh, usually if you've got a piece of item. If you bought it new. It usually comes with the manual. But these days they put it in the technology thing. But let's think about those ones where it comes with the manual. If you buy this Yamaha, it will come with a manual to say how you as the user must make use of this Yamaha. Okay? So, when you came on earth, it's just that you see we couldn't come you see, what was supposed to happen when you were born? So the manual was supposed to be with you for troubleshooting. Amen? So the word of God is the manual of our lives. So if you go to the word, you will find the solution for everything that you need in this life. But if you go anywhere else, you will think that is the solution. And it might be a temporary solution, but it's not a permanent solution. So go to, with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 138. 
verse 2 because I realize that even God how many of you know that the name of Jesus and the name of God are very important and very great very high but I want you to look at something here where God has magnified his word even above his name Psalms 138 verse 2 New King James Version it says I will worship you toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth for you have magnified your word above all your name did you see that huh or you are not reading it in your bibles in mine it says you have magnified your word above all your name so it means if God would even magnify his word above his name he says I am committed to my word whatever is in my word that's my bond to you and what I like about this word if God has magnified his word above even his name it means even in this life I need to magnify the word of God above everything else can you tell your neighbor, magnify your way, the word of God above everything else. Because even God has magnified his word even above all his name. Amen. And I think of this, for me, from the time that I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I think some of you, you also have your own testimonies. There were many things that would trouble me and some of the things I was afraid of them and others would trouble me but from the time that I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior and started knowing the word I became very free because now even the things that threaten me I know that I can subdue them through the word the Bible says the word of God is the sword of the spirit you know Philippians, uh, Ephesians 6 it says, take unto you the shield of faith with which you can quench all the fiery darts of the, uh, of, of the evil one. And take the word of God which is the sword of the spirit. So it means when I have the word of God, I can defend myself from the enemy. Amen. Because the enemy is very cruel. The enemy is out to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But when I have the word... I have something that I can use against all the forces of darkness. So it doesn't mean that this world is kind. This world is cruel. Because once, after God created the heavens and the earth, Adam and Eve disobeyed God and handed this earth, this world, to the evil one. You remember in the book of Matthew, when Jesus, when the devil was tempting Jesus, he said, if you bow to me, I can give you all the kingdoms of this earth because this earth has been handed to me. So it means the reason why you see a lot of things going wrong and many unlawlessness and many bad things happening is because there is a devil. But when you have the word of God, which God has exalted above his name, you have something that can make you live life worth a living here on the earth. And you can even come to that point where you say, 
I'm no longer afraid of the enemy. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So, some of you, I told you, I used to fear that uh, the lightning does. Especially the, in the African context, we think it's made by people. And also, some of you would still probably be, still be afraid of wizards and witches because they come when you, you can't do anything and all that. Even any other thing that you fear, even natural things, you know that sometimes, especially even if you are driving your cars, you hear a lot of things about cars being hijacked and people being killed, and it instills fear, isn't it? But the moment you go to the word of God and see that the Lord says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my God in whom I trust. Under his wings I take refuge. He covers me with his feathers. Now you start thinking, oh, it's shaping up well here. Because when it says he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, it means I'm protected, I'm preserved somewhere where the enemy has no access to me. I may be in this earth, but I'm dwelling in the secret place not of anything or anybody, but of the Most High. So if I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, you cannot get me. Amen. That's why I always say I have problem with Christians who, who blame others for bewitching them or for standing in their way. Because if you are stand, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, you should be inaccessible. Actually, other versions says inaccessible to the enemy. Amen. Because you are dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. He says, I say of the Lord is my refuge. My God in whom I trust. And he says, he covers me with his feathers. Under his wings I take refuge. Those of you from uh, rural areas, like some of us, you know the hen, chicken, hen. Okay, I know children think that chicken are found from shops the hen, uh, the, because you only, you only see the meat. Okay, so there is an animal behind that meat that you eat. It's called chicken. Okay, so when the hen has hatched its chicks, because when the Bible says, he covers me with his feathers under his wings, so it's actually, for me, it makes it easy to think of the chicken or the hen with its cheeks. So what usually happens, those of you who are from rural areas like some of us, if the hawk or a vulture is passing, it, the shadow, the, the mother will see, the, the hen will see the shade. And if the little chicks are somewhere nearby, the hen knows that this hawk will take, or the vulture will take my children. What does it do? So the mother makes a certain sound. Okay? And then she does this. Look, 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 look at this. I mean, this, this is interesting. If you were that chick. So, the mother sees that there is danger coming. And then she says, Krr. and then she does this. And then the little ones, they all run 
So what does that remind you? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The Russians run into it and they are safe. So when she does that, the little ones run in and she covers them. So what is this mother saying to the vulture? <laughs> or to the hawk? You can't get them. If you want to get them, you get me first. That's what she's saying. So similarly, when he covers me with his feathers, when I, under his wings, I take refuge. Amen. When the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the rushes run unto it and they are safe. The Lord is covering me just like the hand is covering your cheeks. Amen. 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 But what happens if, if, if the mother says, and then she does this, and then the cheek doesn't run into the place of safety? What will happen to that cheek? She will be devoured. And then you will say it was the mother's wish that it be devoured. No, it was not the mother's will for it to be devoured. The mother had made a provision. So similarly, when you get devoured, it's not the father's will that you be devoured. Okay? Because he had made a provision for you to be covered. Okay? That's why the Bible talks about the, your adversary, the devil, is roaming around, roaring like a lion, seeking him whom he may devour. Resist him steadfastly in faith. So it means our enemy is looking for to is looking out to devour. Okay? That's his mission. But when I have the word of God, I start knowing what my father has promised. I start knowing how to run into the secret place of the Most High. I start knowing how to know the name of the Lord is my strong tower and I run unto it and I'm safe. And the good thing with God's word is that when he says he has exalted it even above his name, he also made sure that his word cannot be changed. It's forever settled. Because you know that sometimes even if you look at the constitution of a country, it gets amended, isn't it? Something that was unlawful 10 years ago may be lawful now. Or something that was lawful 10 years ago may be unlawful now. Which means people can change things. But if you go with me to the book of Psalms 119 verse 89, New King James Version. It says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Psalms 119 verse 89. So when it says forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. The psalmist is saying your word does not change. It is forever settled. It is my situation that must change. The word will not change. That's why the word, the verse I just told you in Psalms 91, which says he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Even when you yourself are not abiding there, it doesn't change that word. Even at the time when you have decided to comply with the word, it still doesn't change that word. So which means the word of God does not change. Just like God does not change. 
Because actually the word of God, you know the Bible says, and the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. Talking about Jesus as the word. So, the word of God does not change just as God does not change. So if you have seen a promise in the word, it is forever settled. Your situation may change. Today you may be excited because things are like this. Tomorrow you may be down because things are like that. But the word is forever settled. It does not change. So if the word does not change, we need to treasure it. But we also need to know that God will not change in what he has promised us. He's actually, when he says, I have magnified my word even above my name, he's saying, I'm committed to my word at all cost. That's why in Jeremiah 1 verse 12, it says in the NIV, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. So God says to Jeremiah, when he had asked Jeremiah, what do you see? He says, I see somebody who is awake, an almond tree and all that. And the Lord says, you have seen correctly. Because I'm always watching over my word to fulfill it. So it means if you have the word of God, you have something that God is looking for to fulfill. Amen. Let's say you have the word of God about the healing. And you are feeling sick in your body. When you take that word and say, Father, I thank you. Like in Isaiah 53 verse 5 and 1 Peter 2.24. I thank you that when Jesus was on the cross, he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I was healed. So I'm actually proclaiming what God has already done for me. And when I do that, God says, I'm watching over that word. I want to fulfill it in your life. I want to confirm it in your life. And he comes through and confirm it for me. Let's say I have a need. Instead of me saying, the cost of living is very high. Inflation is skyrocketing. And now there's a lot of corruption in South Africa. And we're just getting poorer and poorer. Which verse is that? You're watching a lot of news and not studying enough of the way. So which means you are talking circumstances. And that's not how circumstances will change. Circumstances don't, are not subservient to circumstances. Circumstances are subservient to the word of God. So it means when things are like that, you need to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... He prepares a table for me in front of my enemies. Amen. And my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Amen. And God says, you have seen correctly. I'm watching over my word to fulfill it. Okay? Amen. Then, it means when I have seen something in the word, and I speak that, God says, anything that I have promised... I want to confirm it in your life. Go with me to the book of Numbers 23, verse 19, NIV. Numbers 23, 19, NIV. 
This is linked to the fact that his word is settled. He does not, God does not change his mind if he has promised us something. You know, when we were growing up, there was this thing about uh, inventor. I know it's inventor in English, I don't know, but I'll explain it. In English, the explanation is somebody would raise your hopes very high. They would say, e, as if they are giving you something very precious. And when you're about to take it, they and then they laugh at you. Okay? So God doesn't do that. Okay? If God has promised something, he is faithful and just to his promises. That's why for me, when somebody has suffered miscarriage, I don't say it's God who was giving and taking. Because it will be like he's a confused God. He's trying to give you and when you are about to rejoice and say that the blessing is coming, he takes it. To me it wouldn't make sense. And to show that that cannot be from God. If you look at the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Exodus, the Bible says there will be no miscarriage among you. So meaning, according to God, he does not want, it is the enemy who is stealing. But when the enemy steals, we always say it is God. Okay? Because we did not check what the word of God has said. Now, look at this. In Numbers 23, 19 NIV, it says, God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that... Did you see that? He's not a human being that... He should change his mind. So in other words, it won't be that when you go to him one day and you say, Lord, you said you are our healer and by the stripes of the Lord Jesus we were healed. And I received my healing. He says, hey, I've changed my mind. This disease is incurable. You are going to die. No. He doesn't change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? He doesn't, isn't it? If he promises, he's able to deliver. Let's all say God is able to deliver on his promises. Amen. That's why as for me, the way that God treasures his word above everything else, even above his name, I also treasure his word above everything else. I can even set aside time just to spend time in the word. And that's what we should all do. Not spending time because I'm going to preach about it. But spending time because I, I'm nourishing my, my spirit. I'm feeding my spirit. And each of you, you need to have time. Even just coming to church like this now and you are hearing the word, your spirit is feeding, is being fed. Your spirit is receiving. Okay? So even when you reach home, that I encourage that even when you come to church, sometimes have a bit of a notebook. Sometimes you take some of these verses because you can't trust your mind that it will remember all the verses that I've shared with you. Okay? You write some of those verses down. When you reach home, you again rehearse those verses. You want to make this word part of you. Sometimes you would hear me speaking a verse without necessarily opening it. It's now in my heart. Why? It started with reading it, hearing it and reading it, hearing it and reading it. And it didn't depart from my eyes. Now it becomes part of me. 
So it means if you treasure the word of God more than anything else, you can have that word in your heart all the time. Go with me to the book of Job. Chapter 23 verse 12. Job 23 verse 12. I think now we want to make it simple for you to start understanding. The things that we treasure to be important. The things that we value in life. One of them is food, isn't it? Food. You need food every day. Some of us usually we eat three times a day. Sometimes you eat even more than three times a day. That's for your physical flesh. And how many times do you eat the word of God? Some of you at best it's once a week. Most likely on Sunday. That's at best. So if you even miss church, how many times are you going to eat? So do you think uh, the food that you eat naturally, it nourishes this body. It doesn't nourish your spirit. Okay? So for you to understand, man or a person is a spirit. And man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. Okay? So the body feeds on natural food. But your spirit does not eat rice. Your spirit needs the word. Peter says, desire the sincere milk of the word as newborn babies, that you may grow thereby. So it means my spirit desires the word. Now Job 23.12, he says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Did you see that? He says, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. It's true that I need to eat in the natural. Okay? But my spirit also needs to be fed. My spirit also needs the word. So, what happens if you don't feed your body with food for many, many days? You start by getting weak and after that you die. That's how people who used to, to be on hunger strike when they were protesting on something, they would say, I'm not going to eat and then I'd rather die. And nobody would have killed them. But just not eating, if you want to try it, just go without food for 50 days. We'll bury you. Why? Because this flesh needs food. So similarly, your spirit needs nourishment. But the food that your spirit takes, it's not the food that your flesh takes. So if I can make time to eat, and we have prepared food even today, isn't it? Some of you, even before you came to church, made sure that there is food. When I come back, I want to eat. And after eating in the afternoon, you don't say, I ate now, and for the next 50, 50 days, I don't have to eat. Mm -mm. 
Even after eating in the morning, you want to eat again. Imagine if our hunger for the word of God was like that. That even after having a breakfast on the word, you still need lunch on the word. And you still need supper on the word. And sometimes you need the word as a snack. Sometimes isn't it when you want to justify to eat more than three times, you eat another as a snack. But it's still eating, isn't it? Yeah. Now, for the word of God, if we treasure the word of God more than our necessary food, it means I really need to have time for the word. And this is not about people you stay with or about somebody else in your home. Because sometimes you may be thinking, hey, pastor, I'm just so busy. And in our home, we're very busy. But it's about how much you treasure this word. And you can make time for it. Anything that you treasure, you can make time for it. Okay? And then you start disciplining yourself toward that. And you say, this is so crucial to me. If this is the thing that can make me protected, if this is the thing that can keep me healthy, if this is the thing that can give me uh, peace in my family, if this is the thing that can make me even just to relax and, and enjoy life, then it's worth giving time for it. Because it is everything that I need. So that's why in Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus reiterates this thing that's in Job 23.12. When he, Jesus, Jesus was fasting, he was fasting in Matthew 4. And the devil came to him after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. Yes, you read it there. It says he was afterward a hungered. He became hungry. And when he became hungry, the tempter said, the, the devil came. Came with a proposal. You know that when you have an issue, the devil comes with a proposal. And it looks a good proposal. Jesus, you are hungry. If you are the son of God, change these stones into bread. Why did he choose changing stones into bread? Or why did he talk about bread? Because Jesus was hungry. So it, made, it would make logical sense for two reasons. One, I've got to prove that I'm a son of God. But secondly, after the stones have become bread, who was going to eat that bread? Jesus. Isn't it? So that proposal made sense in the natural. But look at how Jesus answers it. Jesus answered, it is written. Actually, if Jesus answered the enemy by saying it is written, he was saying, I only stick to the word of God. I only stick to what God has said. He says, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but how shall he, he live? But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he is in essence saying, there is bread that you can live on in the natural, with your natural body. But that's not enough. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God's mouth. 
So if now I live by every word that comes from God's mouth, it means the word of God is life. Tell your neighbor the word of God is life. You will even hear Jesus saying, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life in the book of John chapter 6. So when he says the word that I speak unto you is spirit and is life. So it means with this word, I can live in good health. With this word, I can live long on the earth and proclaim that I shall live long on the earth. Why? Because he said he will satisfy me with long life. Psalms 91 verse 16. And Ephesians, uh, Philippians, Ephesians 6 verse 2. He says, honor your father and your mother. This is the, 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 the commandment with a blessing, with a promise. That you, it may go well with you on the earth and you will live long on the earth. So it means I can look at the word of God and say, ow. Even when people say you never know, you can die any moment. But that's not what the word of God has said. So it means people are telling me their views. They are not telling me what is forever settled in heaven. Because according to him, he said he will satisfy me with long life. And show me his salvation. So it means when you have this word, it's a treasure. You remember we were talking, I think about two, three months ago, we were talking about the kingdom of God is like a treasure hid in a field. That when you find that treasure, you go and sell everything you have for the sake of that treasure. So how much do we treasure the word of God? Job says, I treasure your, the word of God more than my necessary food. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So I need to treasure the word of God above everything else. Because with the word, I can have anything I need. With Jesus, I can have anything I need. Go with me to the book of Psalms 119, verse 11, New King James Version. He says, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So now, this word, beside it giving you protection, beside it giving you healing, beside it giving you peace or any other thing, but it also helps you not to sin against God. Amen? Because now when I have this word, the word of God then helps me to discern and be able to say no to all ungodliness, to no to all unrighteousness. Amen? So he says, I have hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And go with me to verse 105. Psalms 119 verse 105. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So I'm showing you the other thing that the word does. I told you about the healing, told you about even any other thing that you think of. The word of God has got a solution for it. But now he says, the word is a lamp to my feet and light to my path. Okay, so... If you are walking in this life, Jesus says, we need to walk in the light so that we must not stumble like those walking at night. So when I'm walking, I need 
the lamp of the word of God to my feet so that I may not stumble. Okay? And as I'm moving step by step, I also need his light on my path to direct me where I need to go. The Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are children of God. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you know that sometimes in this life, we find ourselves in a place, you thought it's a good place to go there, but you find you are in trouble. Like the other time I used to talk about people being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So it means I can use the word of God as part of what the Holy Spirit, because the word of God and the spirit of God cooperate. So that word of God in my heart and the spirit of the Lord in me can direct me and even tell me sometimes not to do something or sometimes not to go somewhere. I had a testimony about some of the Christians who were in the, uh, in the two towers, in the towers in America, 9-11. Remember 9-11, those of you who were here that time. <laughs> I think some of you, it's, it's recent, it's not long ago. You don't need to be very old to remember 9-11. So, when those planes were going to bomb those towers, a lot of people died, isn't it? Because you can't do anything. Even if you have money, money cannot save you at that time. Even if you have whatever you had, even to protect yourself, it couldn't protect you. Okay? You only need the Lord to protect you. So the testimony I heard is that there were several people. Some of them, they just felt, today I just need to, to go early. I just want to go. And the person doesn't know why. Some just felt, let me just get out of the building. I just need to go and do something. And they don't know why. But as they obeyed that prompting, they were safe. Okay? So there are times sometimes when the Lord would put something in your spirit. Don't disobey it. Okay? When you have a sense, and sometimes you want to do something and you feel, I don't have peace. You know this thing where you want to do something and you just feel unease. Don't do it. Because when you have that uneasiness, something is saying, uh-uh. This is not right. So obey that voice. Okay? Then you will be safe. So when he says the word is the lamp to my feet and the light to my path, it means I want this word and I want to rejoice in the word of God all the time. Go with me to the book of Jeremiah 15, 16. Jeremiah 15, 16. Because I'm excited at the word of God. How many of you are excited at the word of God? Amen. Amen. I love the word. It says, Jeremiah 15, 16, New King James Version. Your words were found, and I ate them. Because he said, man shall not eat, live by bread alone. So your words were found, and I ate them. 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. So your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So he says, your, word were, your words were found and I ate them. I eat the word of God. I feed the word of God to my spirit. Because when I feed the word of God to my spirit, faith comes. So when I have the word of God, the word of God is like the sword of the spirit. But it also brings faith in my heart. That now when I know what God has said, I have confidence in God on things that God has promised. That's why Romans 10, 17 says, New King James Version, So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, since I started, I'm keeping on saying the word. And the Bible is keeping on saying the word. So it has to be important. So even my faith, for my faith to come, it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay. So if you want to trust somebody, you can't trust somebody unless you know what they have promised. In other words, if you say, I trust the pastor. The pastor will buy me a car. Did I tell you that? So you won't get it. Isn't it? So it means when you say I have faith and I'm believing God. You need to know what he has promised. You need to know what he has said. So that he can say you have seen correctly because I'm watching over that word to fulfill it. Sometimes we take a lot of people's views and we make them a doctrine. Okay? That's why when you come to church here, we'll always tell you, we'll load you with so many scriptures. So that at least you don't go out here and say the pastor said. You must go out here and say the word says. And when something is a principle in the word of God, it won't just be one verse. It will be one verse supported by other verses. Then you can divide the word. It says precept upon precept, line upon line. But sometimes you find we can come here to the pulpit, maybe not even open a verse, and tell you a lot of things and you believe it. And then when things don't work, then you are surprised. You say, God doesn't, doesn't hear our prayers. God doesn't work. No. You were just doing what the pastor was saying. You were not doing what God has said. Amen. So it means it's better when the pastor says something and he tells you it is not me speaking. It is the word of God. So that when you take it now, you can go back to God and say, but my father, you said. Father, you said. Father, I thank you that you said. You need to have something to say to the Lord. You need to be able to speak something. That the language of God is his word. And that part, unfortunately, nobody can do it for you. How many of you know that nobody can eat for you? Huh? You say, I'm very hungry. My wife, eat for me. I'll get full as you eat. Does it work? 
Okay, try it this way. Do you know that there are times sometimes if you're not feeling well in your body, you just don't want to. You even just looking at that food, just feel nauseous. You don't want to eat. But even if you are hungry and you don't want to eat, you have to force yourself or they will even force you to eat. And you don't say, I'm so hungry and I'm nauseous. Can you eat for me, please? So if it doesn't work with natural food, how would it work with spiritual food? So somebody cannot eat the word of God for you. Not even your pastor. Your pastor can give you the word. Just like at home, our mamas, can we all thank our mamas? Let's say thank you, mommy. Whether mommy is your wife or your mama or anybody who feeds you, we can say thank you, mama. Can we all say thank you, mama, for the food? Amen. So it means mama can make food for you, but she cannot eat for you. Okay? The pastor can make food for you and bring food to you, but he can't eat for you. So it means even when you are home and you are alone, you are not doing the pastor a favor by studying the word of God. You are not doing a ritual thing by studying the word of God. You are feeding your spirit. And then you become strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You will be able to resist all the powers of the enemy. All the forces of darkness. You will be able to withstand against them. Because your spirit will be strong. Amen. So if it says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me start winding down for today. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. Verse 6 to 8. Because... I've started with you showing you how important the word of God is. How sometimes we are busy with a lot of things and we neglect the most important thing, which is the word of God. And you hear somebody saying, I'm just so busy, pastor. I don't have time for the word. Even if you are busy, please make time for the word. Amen. Because the things you are busy with, are not solution for everything you need in this life. Make time for the word. Amen. So when we started with that and showed you that even Martha was very busy and she thought Jesus would be happy with that. Jesus says, Martha, you are busy with so many things. Even serving me is not as important as listening to the word. Mary has chosen the good part. And nobody can take that away from her. Some of the people think that is laziness. When you are studying the word and you're spending time in the word, how you don't you don't work. Some some of the people actually think pastors don't work. Because all they do is just studying the word and all this. That's not work, pastor. Okay. Can I give you just an example of how things work in this life? Work is not always sweat. There are people who work through sweating. But there are people who also work just with their brain. Hmm. They just, and usually the, the ones who work with their brain, they are usually paid more than the one who sweat. 
the ones who sweat. Because those ones are the ones who determine how things would go. Sometimes, I mean, there's this thing in mines that I always don't understand. You would find mine workers who are going down, down there. They are earning very little. And they say the CEO of a mine earns a lot of money. And this guy doesn't even go down there. Why do they do that? <laughs> this guy is the brain behind this. It reminds me almost, you remember the time when, in the Bible, when David's men were going to war against Absalom, his son. David wanted to go with them. And the troops said, uh-uh, King, you can't go with us. Because you are worth more than 10,000 of us. They kill you alone, it's like they've killed 10,000 of us. So rather we go and you remain. So what does this mean? It means when you treasure what is more important, even if people sometimes think it's not as important, they just don't know. Because that is what determines every other thing. That's why the Bible says, above all else, Proverbs 4, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. So it means, if I guard my heart with the word of God above everything else, then I'm sorted because out of my heart flows all the issues of life. So that's why Romans 10, 6 to 8, New King James Version says, But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Now, I'm moving from the word of God just as God saying it's very important. And also, just when we say now, we put it in our heart, I'm one, I want to take you to the place where we take this word in our heart and in our mouth. Because now we need to make this word effective. The word of God, if we say even the Bible contains the word of God, when this Bible is just like this, it's ineffective. It's ineffective. It only becomes alive and active when it is in your heart and in your mouth. So that's why here he says the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? What does the righteousness of faith say? Look at it in your Bible. What does it say? The word is near you. Where is it? In your mouth and in your heart. So how do you get it in your heart? How do you get it in your mouth? Nobody else can get it near you. Nobody else will get it in your heart. Nobody else will get it in your mouth. It's your decision to say the word of God is so important. The pastor indeed preached to us. He gave us verses about protection, about healing, about long life, about peace in our families, about grace, about this. But this word has to be near me now. I need to make, put it in my mouth and in my heart. And that's how it will work. It cannot work just being the word as the written word, the Bible being there. It works when it becomes in my heart and in my mouth. Because what I, you see the word of God, just like anything else, do you know that 
Let me give you a simple example. Have you seen children sometimes playing? We used to do that. And we grew up. We would play mother and daddy. And another a boy would be a father. And then the, the girl would be mother. And they, we used to play like that, isn't it? And then those children play what they sow at home. Amen. So if you want to know what's happening in people's homes, just watch how children play. Amen. If you want to know how daddy treats mommy, just, just the three, those guys, the group that I said I like, three to eight years. I love, I love those children because they've got a lot of stories to tell. And they would even tell you, even if something is a secret, they would say, uh, 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 I won't tell you, I've got this secret. I, I'm not going to tell you, but this is the secret. And they tell you, they say the secret, but they are not telling you. Because they were told, you mustn't tell anybody, this is a secret. So mommy says, I mustn't tell anybody, this is a secret. She told me this and this and this, but it's a secret, I'm not telling you. But saying it. Okay? So similarly, why those children would behave in a certain way? They saw it somewhere. Isn't it? They are displaying what they saw. So which means our characters and our behaviors are determined by what we expose ourselves to. Okay? So if I expose, as you go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 45, if I expose myself to the word of God, my behaviors would be aligned to the word that I expose myself to. If I expose myself to bad company, bad friends, 1 Corinthians 16.33, it says, don't be deceived, my dear brethren. Bad company corrupts good manners. Bad company corrupts good morals. There are some Christians who say, no, I stick with this one. This one is my friend from the time even when we were at primary school. So I'll stick with him even if we don't believe the same. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Amen? Don't be deceived. Don't confuse yourself. Okay? So now, it means the things that I expose myself to will determine my behaviors or what I do things. Now look at this. Luke 6, 45, New King James Version. It says, a good man out of a good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. It's exactly the example I gave you with children. So the things that you are speaking even when you speak, by the way, do you know that even when some of you speak, we can see what you were exposed to? Mm. Just the way you're speaking. You already know, okay, 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 okay. Because even when you are under pressure, the things you speak determine what you were exposing yourself to. The other time I gave an example of a sponge. If you take a sponge 
and dip it in red ink and put that sponge in pressure. What comes out? Red ink. Because that's what's in abundance in that sponge. So, imagine now if I'm so full of the word and the enemy tries to put me under pressure. What will he get? The word. So he will even regret the amount of scriptures that he's going to get by the pressure that is keeping me under. The word will be coming out. Because that's what's in abundance in me. But some of you, when you want to see what the person is made of, look at them when they are under pressure. When you are under pressure, we will know what you believe. We will know that even coming to church, you just coming to church, you don't believe. Because of pressure. But if you have so much of that word in your heart, it says a good man out of a good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Amen. So let me for today wind it with this verse. <coughs> We're ending with this verse in Mark chapter 4. There's still much more. We'll pick it up another time when we get time. Because this is very, very important. The word of God is important to God himself and he has even exalted it above his name. The word of God, even Jesus when he was on the earth, he did not try to act smart against the devil. He always said, it is written. If you look at all those temptations, there is none of those temptations that he says, uh, the devil, my view is. He never said that. He always said, it is written. So you need to know what is written. So that even when those pressures come, speak what is written. Just speak what God has said. Now, Mark chapter 4, verse 24. I'll read in the Amplified Classic and we'll end with this one. Mark 4, 24, Amplified Classic. It says, And he said to them, Be careful what you are hearing. You know the verse before it says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart, he brings forth good things because it's what you stored. And it says, an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. So it means the things I hear. Be careful what you are hearing. So the things you keep on exposing yourself to, they will frame your pattern of thoughts or what you do. So it says, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. You get that? Okay, let me make it simple. Let's go to if you are studying and you want to pass. Let's say you've got a subject, whether it's at school or at university, and you are studying and you want to pass. <laughs> okay, let me give you something, by the way. Some of us have also studied, but there was a time when, you know that when you are in primary school, let's say around grade one, grade two, it's usually not about how much you study, it's about how good you are at memorizing things, okay, or keeping things in your head. But as you grow in grades, <laughs> so even if they say you, they used to call people who are brilliant in, in, in academics, 
there were cracks. And I'm saying, hey, that one is a crack. So even if you were a crack, and now you go to the university, by the way, those of you who are in university first year, you will see. You will realize uh, being a crack here doesn't work without studying. Okay? So it means you can't just depend on what you heard that one time when the lecturer said something. And you say, then I will pass. Even if you are a crack, you still need to go and spend a lot of time with your books. And the more you study, the more things become clearer to you and the better you are prepared for your exams. Let's take the same example. Even with the word of God, the more you study it, the more it becomes clearer to you, the more it becomes part of you, and the more you are ready for the tests of life. Can I repeat that? I said, if you are studying to pass your exams, because that's also a test, isn't it? Or let's use the word test. You're studying to pass your test at school. Let's say at university, because at school, in primary school, you can pass without studying. But at the university, the more you study, the better prepared you are, the more the subject content become clearer to you. And the more likely are you to pass the test. So similarly, the more you study the word, actually in the book of First Timothy it says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. So the more you study, the more you soak yourself in the word, the more you expose yourself to the word of God, even as you come to church on Sunday, it's not just a routine, it's because I want to feed my spirit. Even when you are at home, I want time for the word. The more you do that, the better prepared you are for the tests of life. And when tests come, you will be able to stand. Because Jesus says, anyone who hears my word and does it, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on a rock, on a solid foundation. When the winds come, the winds of life will come. When the storms come, the storms of life will come. It says they beat against that house, the house remains standing. But he says, he who hears my word and doesn't do it, is like a foolish man who builds his house on a sand. So the house that's built on a sand, and the house that built on solid rocky ground, they look the same houses before the day of the storm. Okay? So it's like when you are seated here in front of me, you all look brilliant Christians. But on the day of storms, then we'll see what foundation you've got. Because then on the day of the storms, this other house, Jesus says, when the storms beat against the house that's built on sand, it falls, and great was its fall. Now, we've, we've finished, we've landed. But I want to ask you a question. Of those two houses, one stood because it was founded on the rock, on a solid foundation. The other one crumbled under severe storms because it was on sand. I want you to think of these two people who built these two houses, or the two houses. 
How many of you know that it's very easy to build and quick to build without a strong foundation, without just do... Actually, our parents used to do that. You know, our parents, even using mud for that matter. And then, again, you just take... You just make a round thing here. You just make a bit of an open. You start putting mud bricks. They used to finish a house in... They could finish a house in two days or one day. The house would stand. Others who are seasoned builders... They would dig down a foundation going down and then spend a lot of money pouring concrete and cement in the ground. And the other one thinks that's a waste of money. Because I build my house in two days. Okay, that's fine. Keep your, your two-day house. This one takes all the effort and it does that. And a week later, he says, now my slab is strong. We're going to start building. Then they build. And when they build, they come to a certain level. They stop and they want it to dry. They come and they do this. And it takes them a few months to be finish building. Now you've got the two houses. When the winds come and the storms come, do they choose which house? They usually beat against both the houses. And this other house will fall. And the other house will remain standing. By the way, do you know that if you've got good foundation and your house is well built, sometimes even if it's raining, you don't f f hear it. You only wake up in the morning. Oh, was it raining last night? Why? Because you've got a well built house with strong foundation. But those who took a chance and they were quick and just built on sand. When it's raining, the house falls, sometimes it falls and even hurt the people. But now, when the house has fallen and it's raining, is it time to build? Imagine how hard it is now to try and say, hey, now I realize that building without a strong foundation is a problem. Hey, now I need uh, to, it's too late. It doesn't work that way. So that's why even the time that you are investing now, digging this, getting this word of God, going home, still putting the word, you are preparing yourself for that evil day. So that when things come and now it's like there's a lot of storms brewing, you will remain standing. Amen? Amen. Do you understand that? Amen. Do you see why it's important for you to dig deep with this foundation of the word? Even if to some it looks like you are wasting time, you're not wasting time. You know you are a wise builder. Amen. You will be rewarded on the evil day. Let's stand up and thank God for the word that we've heard.